welcome to Sounds Heal Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Brown. We will continue to dive into conversations about sound healing, sound therapy, and using sound for health and wellness. I appreciate your feedback on the previous podcast with Michael Bettine, who I met at the Gong Summit in Connecticut in July. I was also lucky to see him just shortly after our podcast. His gong meditation here in Des Moines, Iowa was really wonderful to reconnect with him. It's honestly been so fun following the journey of the people that I met at the gong summit to see what they're doing and bringing the information, bringing the gongs, bringing this power of sound into their communities. So the the connections continue, including with my podcast guest today. I met Gail Jackson at the Gong Summit as well. And I was really inspired by her her vibe, her energy, and the way she expresses herself. Gail lives in Alaska. She's a drum circle facilitator. She leads gong baths and sound meditations. She's really on a path of learning, just immersion, and continuing to chase the things that inspire her in life, specifically through sound and spirituality, as well as bringing what she's learned back to her community and just helping as many people as she can. So please enjoy my conversation with Gail Jackson. So I guess I want to start at the beginning, your beginning, and how did sound come into your life? What Maybe what's one of your early memories of uh, sound and uh, its impact on you? For me, I would say something that, as far as sound goes, that really sparked my awareness. I attended a drum circle facilitation training in Hawaii under Arthur Hall, and we have what's called late night. That is unfacilitated playing of drums, different instrument, percussion instruments, and going into the early morning hours. And we're out by a few yards away from the ocean. We have the trees moving in the breeze, and it's it's magic. And listening to different people play, you start to hear other instruments that aren't even there. You're, you know, really into the groove. You're feeling the drums or whatever instrument you're playing. And Remo makes a Bahia drum. No, it's the not so, they used to call it not so loud, but now they're called comfort drums. And when those drums were playing, I was hearing a bass guitar. I was hearing someone like humming and it it was magic. I'm I had to open my eyes to look around like I know I just heard a bass guitar. Mm-hmm. But there's no bass guitarist there. And that's where it's just those magical moments when you are totally into the music, the rhythm that your mind, your heart, your total being is just open to the moment. And that's when the magic happens. That was my first 
true awareness of the magic of sound. It, it's more than the visual. It's more than what you're doing, the tactical. It's more than, it's more than that. It's, it's a deeper, a deeper sense of awareness. And what got you to that point? What took you to that circle at that time? Um, what inspired you to um, play the drums? What inspired me, I had always, not always, but I had played percussion at a church that I had gone to when I was living in the lower 48, and then stopped going to church. And then I got another spiritual calling when I moved here to Alaska, and I was singing at a spiritual center. And then it wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to be in the music department playing music. So I started playing the congas and different percussion instruments. And one of the other people in the music department told me about Edwina Tyler. She's a master djembe player who I've never heard of. So I went home to Google her and I found a drum camp down in California and it was the women's international drummers born to drum and they do all different kind of Middle Eastern Venezuelan they play teach you how to play the shaker ray there's um, a woman that teaches dune the dune dunes so I went and started playing and it was just really welcoming the facilitators were open to answering questions and showing different things. And I had a really good time and I wanted to go back the next year. And what I had found out was when I Googled Edwina, I wanted to go to her class. So I missed it the first day. And then that Sunday I found her class and we were playing. She was very, she's a very inspirational motivator when she facilitates drumming. She teaches African drumming. And I started hearing strange noise in the room and I looked around and there were women crying in the class. And that's where I first learned the power of the drum. And during that time, I was taking classes to become a spiritual licensed practitioner, which is we hold people in the spiritual sense, not a spiritual sense, but we do prayer support for people mm -hmm. when they're going through something or when things are going well, just keeping that energy lifted. Mm -hmm. And I had a really good time and I wanted to go back again. I went back the next year and the next year was when I was taking, going for my panels and taking my written exam. And during the meditation, after the whole licensure process was done, it came to me that I could facilitate drumming circles. Mm -hmm. So again, I went home, I Googled drumming circles, and I found Arthur Hall Village Music Circles. And that next year because I wanted to know if I really wanted to do it. Mm 
Right. So I was doing a few drumming circles, community drumming circles. And then the next year I ended up going to Hawaii for the Village of Music Drumming Circles facilitation camp. And there I met people from all over the world, experienced my first late night experience playing until 2, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and just being open to the experience and let the silence and the energy of the moment direct us into which way we're going. Mm. And that's what took me to those magic moments in Hawaii. Mm. What do you find happens in that moment? What is the best way to express, you know, not only for yourself, just this kind of shift in awareness and time, but as a group of people being in sync in those moments where maybe it's not in sync and then all of a sudden everything comes together again. What does that Mm -hmm. feel like to you? How would you describe what's happening within a drum circle that when people just really let go? Well, we let go of the expectations. We are open to what is happening in the moment. During that training, Arthur explains to us to let go to keep it simple. Ego, that goes out the window. You're open to the process. You're you're listening. It's a conversation. He lets us know it's a conversation amongst the instruments in the circle. And we're listening to that conversation and we're keeping that conversation going. And at times in conversations, there's silence. And the silence is fine. It's okay to have that silence. And the energy shifts and you go with the energy, you go with the listening and you're open to what takes place. So that that training was a big shift for you. That's Right, you went to that that training to kind of see, is this what I want to do? And it sounds like, Mm -hmm. yes, that that was what you wanted to do. Um, What happened after that training with that decision that you really wanted to facilitate drum circles? What was the next step for you? The next step for me was to go back to my community and start facilitating community drumming circles. And I all I've always there at the training there was there's a Yahoo group of facilitators or people that are interested in facilitating music therapists and different other therapists. So there is a reference point in which we can tap into people that are already facilitating if we had any questions. Mm. And I've tapped into that group many, many of times. Mm -hmm. So when I went back home, just started facilitating the circles. And before I left, I was, there's a mentor program, which people go back to teach the new folks that are going to be coming to the next camp. And I was asking Arthur about that. And he laughed at me. He said, wait, just make it through this one, Mm -hmm. which was my first time. But I knew deep inside that, I wanted to mentor other people in drum circle facilitation. And that's what happened. I went home, 
I did the community drumming circles, bought some drums, put out on Craigslist if anybody has any percussion instruments sitting in the corner gathering dust, mm -hmm. if you would like to donate. I applied for some grants, got some money to buy drums, and returned the next year as a mentor. Mm. Yeah. What kind of groups, what kind of community events were you doing during that time when you first started facilitating? I was basically facilitating the drumming circles out of the spiritual center that I was attending because it was a free space, mm -hmm. which, you know, funds, it's very important to have a place that supports what you're doing. And I that's where I was doing the drumming circles out of the spiritual center. And if there was birthday celebrations, weddings, I've done those too, mm -hmm. and a celebration of life drumming circle. And it just, it's it's endless. And what came up, and if I had the time, then I would put it out there on Facebook or put flyers up around town saying we're having a community drumming circle and inviting whoever in the community wanted to attend. Mm. Do you find that when you lead drum circles or perhaps within your training, it has a structure, perhaps it's intentional drumming, you know, there's really a purpose behind the rhythm that started for a particular circle, or is it more just freedom or a little bit of both? It is, there is a structure because you're, you're going in because you have some people that have never touched an instrument mm -hmm. before. So it's getting people to know the instrument that they're playing and to be able to take that playing of an instrument for the group to listen together to keep the conversation going and to let ego, if that comes into play, or lack of not being, if they're not sure of what they're doing to empower the group, that what they put into the group, that it's, it's fine that their uniqueness is what makes the circle the circle. And each each circle is different because everybody brings something different to the circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's what is so um, motivating and inspiring about drum circles is there is such individuality, but then how everyone comes together, right? There's mm -hmm. the individuality, but there's this... Um, togetherness that it creates uh, is very empowering. Mm. So where did other instruments come along? I met you at the gong summit, so I, I know that eventually you were drawn to gongs. Mm -hmm. How did that well, happen? It happened. I in the When I was playing in the music department, our kit drummer, he was phenomenal on the cymbals. And I ended up buying some of his cymbals, which were smaller gongs. And that's how I first started getting my gongs. But when I was attending the 
Drum Circle Facilitators Guild Conference, at the end of our training, Arthur had made these chimes in which they're like metal tubes and he, and there's a mallet in which you would hit it with the mallet and it would make these, he, they're all different notes and they would make these beautiful harmonic sounds. And they called it Rhythm Church. So he would start off having soft percussion, shakers, wood blocks, and we would all just start keeping time with those instruments. And one by one, he would hand different people the chime bars. And at the end, everyone had a chime bar, except there were a few people that had eggs that were keeping the time. And at the end of that, I was I was so full. I just I, I felt that I was just so full. And it was so much to take in with all of the the chimes, the sound of the vibration of those chimes. And I think those two things planted the seed for me with the gongs. So a few years later, I had gone to St. Louis to visit a friend who said, okay, we're going to go to a sound bath. Okay. <laughs> I've never heard of a sound bath before. I'm, I feel that I'm an adventurous person. Mm -hmm. I'm game for new things. And we went to the sound bath, which was at a yoga studio. And we started doing yoga. And I'm thinking, okay, I didn't know we were coming here for this. Mm -hmm. But once we were done, the facilitator said, go ahead, get yourselves comfortable, relax. And I laid down, and it was the first tap of the gong that I it just sucked me right in. Mm. And that, that was the beginning. That was the very beginning. What was it about the sound of the gong? What did it do to your awareness at that time? I I had never heard a sound like that, mm. and it it kept going. The resonance just kept going, and I was hearing so many different things each time that she tapped a gong mm -hmm. that I had never heard before, and I wanted to know more. Mm. Did you find that it? perhaps was a different texture or did it actually do something different to you than the drums had for so long? It was different. Mm -hmm. I didn't really go away feeling any different than I came in because I was trying to watch her, what she was doing, these different sounds that I was hearing. So I wasn't really totally into the moment because I was more watching her. And then when it was done, I went up to her to ask, well, how did you get into this? Where where did you get your training? I want to know more. And she told me that about the training. So again, I went home, I Googled mm -hmm. Crown of Eternity. Mm -hmm. And this was in March. And then that October, I was in North Carolina for my module one with Mike and Galena. Mm -hmm. So it seems that through sound, you're just on this journey of 
learning and immersion and following following where sound takes you yes and it's it's like a progression mm-hmm. there there was no accident there was no accident of me moving to alaska finding the spiritual center where i started playing percussion and from there finding the drumming and becoming a drum circle facilitator being listening to bringing music together my awareness of listening of my awareness of people in the group of of sound of listening and then going into the gongs and facilitating facilitating that it's just it's been a progression Mm -hmm. so did that shift right away after that gong training when you when you went home along with the drum circles you were offering gong meditations as well i let's see what happened after I left Mike's. I got as much reading material because he gives us a list of books to read. Mm-hmm. So I started reading, and also he said that you have to do a one-on-one session or two-on-one for at least a hundred people. Mm. Okay, <laughs> so I bought a massage table, and at my spiritual center and tapping into friends, I said I'm doing my practicum. I need bodies to do mm-hmm. these one-on-one sound or two-on-one sound sessions. And I started doing that. Mm. And there's a intake form that people fill out before and after mm-hmm. and reading those and making sure that I'm on track with what I'm doing and getting the feedback from my volunteers while I'm doing this process. Mm-hmm. What have you... What did you learn from that? I mean, I I found in my own case studies and kind of practicum is where I developed the most. I mean, just getting feedback from people alone uh, was really a learning experience. Were there any aha moments from all that practicing? There was a woman who had a brain injury, and when the gong was allowed she felt that it was very, very abrupt, very aggressive, that part she did not like. But other people, when they hear the loud parts of the gong, it's something that they want more of or they feel something that is just on the verge or they they want more of it. So I get it's, you, you know, each person, it's different in what they experience. And I've learned also that the quieter sounds are, you know, the more they're more calming and people like those. But it's it's the really loud sounds of the gong that that really people they react to that. Some people it it just depends on, you know, that woman had a brain injury, whereas other people, they experience something different. How do you adjust for that in, you know, one-on-one sessions, you can really personalize the session, but then when you have Mm -hmm. a group of 20 people in the room, do you get a sense 
or do you have kind of a formula what you might do in the gong bath or is it more intuitive? It's both. Yeah. I when I bring people when they settle in, I do a a medi- a guided meditation. And I let them know when they hear the really intense sounds, the sounds that their bodies are reacting to to breathe. The guided meditation talks a lot about breathing, connecting to the breath. Mm-hmm. And I give them the example that when people are scared or they're startled or something happens, they hold their breath. And therefore that, that trauma, that experience stays with them. But when you breathe through that, you're, you're moving that energy. You're letting it go. And I really stress the breath in the beginning of the sound baths. And I had a woman come up to me at the end. She was saying, well, several have over different sound baths that breathing really helped them. And they were glad that I had said that. Yeah. So therefore, I know that that's a key element to keep on letting people know to breathe through those times. Right. And that it's okay to feel that tension, constriction, Yes. Just to allow, allow that and breathe through it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm. And I also let them know that if they feel the need to leave the room, that they can. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people, they might feel, well, I don't want to disturb the person next to me, but I would rather them be comfortable and at ease with the experience than sitting there and just, just, being torn up inside because they feel that they have to stay. Right. Right. Yeah, I think it's important to remind people of those, you know, if they need to get up and move or you know, they don't need to be completely still and rigid. In fact, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be, you know, right. whatever their body tells them um, to follow that. Yeah. Mm. So... Are you currently, you're currently doing drum circles. Has that shifted at all as far as where you're doing them, where you're offering them, and in conjunction with these sound meditations and gong baths? How has that shifted over your time? My drum circles, I have started to take the summers off to have a, to have a break. And if people contact me, they would say that they have a certain event or they want to get together and drum, then I'll get together and we can drum. And the sound baths, I figured that I would stop doing doing those also, facilitating them in the summer because here in Alaska with our long winters, mm. no one wants to be indoors. Right. But people, they keep signing up. They keep signing up. So I said, if the people keep signing up, then I will do the sound baths. And that's what's been happening. The drumming, I, in the summer, I take a break and the sound baths, they're continuing. Continue. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, another thing, one of my drumming colleagues has these set of small gongs, they're pentatonic gongs. Mm-hmm. And I ordered, I think it's a set of 12. So at the end of my drumming circles, I started incorporating those 
and mm. it brings down the energy from the drumming, the high intense drumming, the gongs just bring down the energy and people are mellower when they leave the drumming circles now. And it's, 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 in, it's really enlightening to see this and how I can bring the gong into the drumming without mm-hmm. bringing the big gongs. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The drums can, the drums can bring such, um, such energy. So, you know, very energizing, but at the same time, it can be extremely meditative and, yes. and, the, and the gongs, they shift. I, I mean, they can do the same thing, but just in a totally different way. It's, it's mm-hmm. amazing how each instrument, um, you resonate with differently. Yes. Mm. Well, how about you personally? Um, has music, sound always been spiritual for you? It, how has it been powerful in your own life, perhaps when you, you aren't offering it to other people, when you aren't leading uh, as a facilitator? Do you play drums for yourself, for example, or gongs? I do. I have several drums that I'll bring out sometimes and play. I have a Shruti box Mm -hmm. and I'll just sit and listen to that and hum, do some toning with that. And it's, it's another form of meditation for me. I'll take the gong and start droning and just feel, feel that the vibration coming off the, off the gong and start playing around with different ways in which I can try to have that sound extend more and more each time and to see how slow I can go, which is more, for me, is a different form of meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And true with the, and also with the, my meditation, it's, it's given me more of an awareness, which it's it's never the same. Mm-hmm. It just it keeps going deeper and deeper. And the sound facilitates that limitlessness, really. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also sitting in the quiet, mm-hmm. being open to the universe, and just expanding. Yeah, I think a lot of people say they have a hard time with meditating, but if they can start with a focus on just sound, maybe it's just the sounds around them. And, you know, whenever they're distracted, they just bring their self back to sounds that can bring them deeper and deeper. It is a point of focus, um, Mm -hmm. but it really is a shift in awareness. Uh, into deeper, deeper silence. So you've talked about this progression uh, from the drums to the gongs. I think I was reading that you were awarded a Rasmussen Foundation award. When did that happen and what did that help you do with the project award? It helped me. I was awarded the Rasmussen Foundation grant in 2017. And 
it unfortunately here you had people look for either initials behind a name mm -hmm. or some piece of paper so for myself it gave me recognition because mm -hmm. Rasmussen Foundation here is if you've got awarded a grant you must know what you're doing right and so it it gave me recognition that I'm a true artist and I know when I had went to a workshop that they had for the awardees, they were saying one of the guys that had reviewed my application was saying that they kept watching my video over and over because I had submitted a video of me playing the gong, mm. like a two to three minute, well, it was a five minute clip because they had never seen anything like that before. Mm. So he was saying that they were watching it over and over and over. And I was like, good. <laughs> I yeah. have their interest. That's great. So, yeah, it um, gave me recognition and opened up many doors. I was able to go to Mike's second Module 2 training. I went to Sage Academy and had a gong camp I attended a gong camp with Don mm -hmm. learned about how he approaches gong playing and the therapeutic aspect of gongs mm -hmm. and to be able to study further with sound and this year you have to wait two years after you were, you were awarded I'm going to be applying for a fellowship in which I plan to go to Mitch's what is this? the sound? Um, the the theology one. The theology, yes. Right, sonic theology, yeah. right? Yes, mm. yeah. The science of sound therapy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, great. Yeah. And it continues. And to study, yeah. And study, study more. Yes. It's yeah. once you find that passion, that inspiration. Um, I mean, the rabbit holes you go down can be pretty amazing which direction it takes you, but it's just, once you find it, it's really, really blossoms and is so inspiring. And you just yes. want to keep finding other people that, that share that and uh, feeding yourself with more and more um, different approaches. And uh, yeah, it just takes you deeper and deeper. Mm. Because when I attended the module one with Mike, I heard one and two. I heard Mitch, and I'm people were saying Mitch. Mm -hmm. Okay, never heard of Mitch. Right. All right. And after I had finished the gong camp with Don, that was I think it was in September mm -hmm. of seventeen. I had never heard of a gong puja. And I thought, well, I can do that. So mm -hmm. I came back, and the new year I ran six six sessions of gong pujas. And it was a fundraiser for our local aides, our local aides, in which they have food and different education for the folks that are experiencing, that have AIDS. And Every every session was sold out oh, because it, wow. it was free and people, you know, some people donated 
cash. Some people donated food. And just continuing doing one or two sound baths a month. And um, Mike called me while we were emailing, and he said, July, keep the Mm -hmm. first week of July open. Mm -hmm. And I didn't didn't ask him why. (laughs) I just, okay, Mike said to keep it open. I'll keep it open. Mm -hmm. And then the Gong Summit was happening. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that that was life-changing and Mm -hmm. extending my family even more. Not only do I have a drumming family, but now I have... Gong, some gong folks to right. add to my family, also. Right, and I don't think any of us really knew what to expect, but it was right. far beyond any of our expectations. Uh, yeah, just the energy that was created there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, and then later this year, I think you said you're just about to start your mindfulness studies. Can you tell us about what that is and what you're doing next? Well, I've been meditating for over 15 years, almost 20. And I'm always looking for ways of taking my self-work, my practice deeper. And the mindfulness, a friend of mine had attended, she's a mindfulness instructor here in Anchorage. And it's something that I thought, wow, this could take me to another level and also bring about another practice because when you're doing the same thing over and over, it's time to change things up. Mm -hmm. And um, it came around that the teacher training was going to be happening and I thought I'll apply. So I applied and got accepted. And my focus is outreach, the community. And I've noticed that here, Certain areas, they offer mindfulness, but not for our children at risk, people over in the underserved communities, Mm -hmm. nothing. Mm -hmm. And with this training, I'll be able to focus on the children at risk, adults that are in the prison setting, and in the underserved communities. And I've already made connections with having a mindfulness group at one of the libraries that's in the underserved population area. And I have a few people that work at the juvenile lockup that I'll be able to go there and teach mindfulness with the young folks there. And yeah, so Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I I guess I put the cart before the horse (laughs) with some of it, but some of it really needed to be, well, it would be good to have those things in place so that when I'm done, I can hit the gate running. Mm -hmm. How long of a program is that? It's a 300-hour program. So in September, I'll go for a week-long silent meditation retreat. And then October through April, we're doing online courses and Zoom meetings. And then in May, I go back for another week-long retreat. Mm. And then it's done. Mm. That's really exciting. Yes. Mm. And I plan on bringing the gongs into this Mm -hmm. and the drums. Mm -hmm. So it's still, the progression is still happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yes. It's all connected. That's really inspiring. Yeah. And I mean, it's just endless, the people that you can bring this to and, mm-hmm. and assist with in your community. Hmm. So that's really your current projects, your current studies coming up. Is there anything else that you're really excited about that's coming up? Uh, well, I'm going to be applying for the fellowship. Right. And more, I'm looking to do more collaborative events. In May, I had an event called the Spring Cleanse, in which I had a violinist mm. open up the sound bath. Mm-hmm. And then I came in after her with the gongs. And yeah, the room, it was packed. Wow. To be able to bring the strings and the gongs together, it it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking to do some more collaborative events. And I'm on the soundboard for the next gong summit that's happening that's very exciting yes. <laughs> to be able to be of service to my community. Yeah. And <clears throat> looking for other ways to bring sound into my community here in Anchorage. Mm. I think that most of us that are um, not on the sounding board are on pins and needles waiting to, to find out where the next one is and <laughs> put it on the calendar and all that. So there's already so much excitement um, for all the future opportunities that are coming up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I have two more. There's going to be an international association of women, women police conference that's going to be happening here. And I've offered to do, sound one-on-one sessions if people are interested and also do sound baths on the premises great and i haven't heard back i just emailed them yesterday because i was talking to another colleague that's part of the volunteer committee because she was saying that they reached out to some of the yoga studios in the area and no one's contacted them and i'm like i can do this i can offer this service oh that's great and yeah, and I've also been in contact with the social worker at the oncology department here at one of the hospitals to bring the gong to the cancer patients. Mm. Yeah. So those two are projects on the horizon that I'm waiting to hear back on. And, yeah, it's it's amazing. Mm. It's all unfolding and manifesting and probably keeping you very busy, but it it doesn't feel like that when you love it so much. Right. Right. Mm. Well, let's see. Is there anything about your, your learning, your immersion, your background, uh, that we've left out? I mean, did you have musical experience when you were a kid? I was in band in elementary school, mm-hmm. but I was only playing drums by listening because I didn't learn how to read music. Mm. And yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't really a good experience. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that listening to what people play were playing was something that then I didn't understand what I understand now that right. I can be 
in a circle, playing music with people and listening. And it's fine not to know how to read music. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, offering the community drumming circles that anyone, regardless of musical experience or not, can be a part of a community playing music, connecting, creating, and being one. Right. And that's what it's all about. It's not how fast can you read the dots on a piece of paper or the sheet music, right? Um, right. You know, that, right. that isn't talent in itself, and all that technique mm-hmm. can be really important for, for people going into music. But, gosh, you know, I think that's kind of persuaded some people not to to play or um, not to, to dive in because of this fear. Um, but... Like you said, anybody can play, um, mm-hmm. right? And in fact, some of our great musicians are don't even rely on sheet music. Maybe they didn't initially, but uh, just being able to tune in and listen and and be one with the sounds um, is is where that that power comes from. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I went through a, I went to a training out of Joshua Tree Mm. with Christine Stevens Mm -hmm. called Music Medicine. And that, that was amazing. We, part of our training, she was saying how you can take the flute and play it to the heart. Mm. So I, my hand went right up really fast. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'd like to try it. Because I've never experienced that before. I love the flute, the more the lower noted flutes. Right. And so I wanted to experience. So I stood up. She came over and started playing, and I don't. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, tears were streaming down my face. So she had one of the participants, somebody stand to my side, and someone stand behind me to hold the space for me while I was going through whatever was happening. And I went back the next year and we were playing outside out at Joshua Tree at the park. And I had a hummingbird come over and it was just like welcoming me mm-hmm. to the park. Yeah, it was it was so beautiful. Mm. And to with the music medicine, we were using some of the indigenous ways of incorporating the elements, Mm -hmm. acknowledging the directions. And I learned so much with Christine doing the music medicine that I'm going to be doing it here in Anchorage is just finding the right space and the title for the program to get the participants to come in. Mm, That's beautiful. Oh, that's great. Because music is medicine. That, That's what it is, yeah. Yes. And uh, we are the medicine. We all are. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Sure. Thank you. Well, what's a good way? Do you have a website or a, a blog? What's a good way to for people to follow your journey with all these developments and, and studies you have going on? I have 
a Facebook page for my drumming, which is Anchorage Community Drumming, mm -hmm. and a Facebook page for the sound baths, which is Vibrational Sounds. And I'm currently working on my website. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your mm, your frequency that you emit is uh, very inspiring and soft and gentle, yet really powerful. Um, and I just appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And it was a pleasure meeting you, and thank you for this opportunity. Yes, and I'm sure I'll be seeing you uh, down the road. Yes, definitely. Great. All right, well, thank you All so right. much. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. You as well. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast. You can keep up to date with what's coming up next at soundshealstudio.com, on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio, and on YouTube, you can listen to previous podcasts, sound meditations, and other music on my YouTube channel, Natalie Brown Sounds Heal Studio. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. Be well, and stay tuned.